Travel Podcast. We are on episode 43. Oh, episode 43. We're just, we're just, uh, the time flies in quarantine. Um, I'm your, your host, your co-host, Kevin Allen, uh, with me today, as always. Yeah, as always, Catherine Toth Fox, we're with Hawaii Magazine, and we have a really special, I'm excited for this podcast because... Um, well, I'm excited and slightly terrified at the same time. Um, it's a subject matter that I really enjoy, and I think it's really fitting since it's Halloween. We're going to talk about spooky stories. And our guest today is Lopaka Kapanui, who I've, I don't know when I first met you. It's been a while. Uh, 2005, you were anyway. bringing a newspaper article for the advertiser. Has it been that long? That's like 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like 12. I was nine anyway. years old, 15 uh, years ago. <laughs> Stop. Look, don't even talk about it, Kevin. So um, Lopaka is, he's native Hawaiian. He's from, born and raised here in the islands. And he's a master storyteller. Specifically, what he's become known for in the last, I don't know, a couple decades is um, his telling of stories that deal with the supernatural or the spirits of Hawaii. But interestingly enough, and you do, you know, walking tours, but you weave in a lot of history and culture too. So it's not just these spooky stories that scare people, but you do, I feel like you open up, you know, um, you open up Hawaii in a way that's really unique because you do tell stories about um, the culture here, the host culture, about life here um, and the history. And so it's it's kind of, you know, you don't just get these scary stories, you just get a, a lot more. So anyway, welcome Lopaka. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on the show. So I get oh, when I'm dressed for the occasion. By the way, I'm here for the booze. Do you get it? Get it? I'm here for the booze. Very sweet. I have my, uh, I you don't recognize that? Oh <gasps> no, I don't recognize that. What it's, is that? Uh, it's the. Uh, it's from it. Oh. Yeah. See, I don't watch it's that kind of paper. stuff. Yeah. Well, if you know, you know. <laughs> I mean, do you watch a lot of like spooky and horror stuff? Like, is that your jam? Uh, no, but I watched it. I also read the book. Uh, the book was very different uh, than the movie. Oh. Um, okay. But yeah, I watched that first movie. Um, I watched the original, and then I watched the the re the redone one. Uh, you know what was funny? I want to talk about your my first spooky story of the podcast. Um, when I was a kid uh, at Foodland, you know how they always had video rentals, like they had the cassettes. Um, I would always go into the video rentals and look at the it video rental and just reading the back of it and seeing the scary clown and stuff that would by itself would give me nightmares. My first spooky story of the podcast. I'm sure Lopaka is going to tell much scarier ones. That's terrible. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so what we wanted to do Lopaka is of course we want to hear spooky stories, but I think to sort of like, get everybody on the same page. And we have a lot of listeners who are not uh, living in Hawaii and for whom a lot of these stories might be new to them. So we wanted to kind of get from you an idea of, you know, what are some of these really unique um, elements of these stories that you can only find here? Like what are night marchers, for example? What are menehune? Just kind of put us in a context being in Hawaii. So what are, you know, these unique stories that we have here? You know, one of the, unique stories that is about our volcano goddess Pele. And the short story about her background is she got into a, a bit of trouble with her older sister in the Makokahai, the goddess of the ocean. 
uh, for burning down her side of the island. And so she had to run. You know, her sister pursued her to uh, the Hawaiian archipelago, right down the, the island chain. So everywhere Pele went and built uh, dug a volcano, her sister would come and just peel it out with, with the water. And so she finally makes it uh, to Hawaii Island. Uh, and before that, she and her sister finally do battle on the island of Maui at a place called Kaivi o Pele. And Pele, of course, loses the battle, but she becomes deified by her family and she becomes the volcano goddess. And so here's how that makes sense today. She's unique to us. But when the volcano is erupting or there is activity, I get a, a lot of calls from people who live in a Salt Lake area who tell me that they're driving home down Salt Lake Boulevard and there's an old Hawaiian woman hobbling along the sidewalk. You know, and she's, uh, her clothes are disheveled, hair all white and, you know, matted and wet, but dry flower lay around the, the head and they pull over, you know, because that's how we do it in Hawaii. We're like that, you know, when we see old people. Tutu, you're going somewhere, you need help. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm going over there. Oh, where are you going? I'm going to the Zippies. Oh, okay. Um, well, which one? Oh, the one in Wahiawa. Oh, Tutu, I'm not going to that one. Is there anyone else I can take you? Well, um, I just go sit inside your car, then, then I go figure them out. So the woman, they say, gets in the backseat of the car, and they're driving. And the next thing you know, either the woman has disappeared, or there's been an accident. And so basically what that what that says over over the years is that Pele appears within those few minutes to sort of uh, engage you in this conversation so that you're prevented from getting into a car accident or prevented from getting run over or something falls across your car. Yeah. You know, just two, three minutes. And that's essentially what she's doing. Uh, the other part about her getting in the car and then she disappears, I don't know what that is. You know, I, I think, yeah. I don't know if it's just the scare element or what's going on, but we find out that there used to be a lake, a pond, a giant pond of uh, salt water in Salt Lake, you know, that went out to Kehi Lagoon. And so according to the legend, that's what Pele dug out, but was unsuccessful. Oh, because I was going to ask you, why Salt Lake? It's like the most, it's just the strangest place on Oahu you would think you'd ever see Pele. <laughs> like. yeah. Well, everywhere along, you know, the Hawaiian Islands, wherever she dug a volcano, that's still her connection. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, because, you know, the big the story on Oahu is you would see the woman in white kind of by Sandy Beach area as you're driving toward Makapu at night. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I completely avoid that area at night. It's very dark and no thanks. Um, I didn't know Pele knew about Zippies, though. That's something. That's that's cool. I wonder what... I wonder what Pele gets at Zippies. Do you think she just gets a well, pack? Here's the thing about that story. It's not the first time I've heard it. Really? Really? Uh, yeah. The first time I heard it was, um, I think about a year before I met you, Kat. I dropped off my, my daughter and her mom on Date Street, and I was going to, uh, on Laos Street, and I, would, I pulled over to the park on Date. And, you know, there's a golf course right across the street is Kainuki High School, the big field. And I get out of my car and standing on the other side of my car on the sidewalk side is this Hawaiian woman, dark skin. And, you know, she, she's older. She's got, you know, short white hair. And it was weird because she was wearing a black turtleneck sweater and this Catholic school uh, girl's skirt. And it, she just looks strange. And she says to me, 
I'm hungry. And I said, okay, um, you know, do you want to be taken somewhere? And she says, yeah, same thing. I want to go to Zippy's. And I said, okay, well, you know, I was going to Jack in a Box down the street so I can drop you off at the Zippy's. And she said, no, not that one. She wanted to go to the one in, um, like, Coco Marina. You know where that one is? Yeah, yeah Hawaii Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I said, Tutu, I'm sorry, I'm not going that way. But then I looked down in the back seat and I saw that my daughter left her uh, Chuck E. Cheese cheese pizza. And so I reached into the back seat like this, grabbed the pizza, and I said, oh, Tutu, you can have this. And she's gone. So if you know Day Street, anywhere you look, you can see somebody coming or walking, you know, mm-hmm. past. So she's gone. And this is all within seconds. And as soon as I realized she's gone, this car just like full speed right past me, you know, the jet wash and everything. And then it blows the, the traffic light at um, Olokele and Date, and it gets T-boned by this other car that blows the traffic light. And so that was supposed to be me in that accident. Wow. Yeah. I'm already spooked. <laughs> it's the middle of the day, but I'm kind of scared right now. My, oh, and you, yeah, that's crazy. So it's, it's crazy. And that's the one Pele experience I never forgot. The second one was at the Kilauea Theater a couple of years ago. I, I go there every year to tell ghost stories, you know. And I forget what story I told, but there was a pause after what I said. And the theater shook from the back. Then it shook from the front. And then the whole theater together just... And so there's like dead silence in the audience. I'm like, that wasn't me. That was bad. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Has Pele so like she wanted to be, you know, part of the show as well. <laughs> Has Pele ever been personified as a white dog? I've always heard that. She, she has, has a dog. As, yeah. Oh, she has gosh. it as a pet. Um, but I've never heard of her having an incarnation as a a white dog herself. So here's a funny white dog story. <laughs> Um, I think it was 2012 or 13. I was, it was the morning of my uniki to the Kamakumuhula, and I missed the, the Pikai. And so I got to the, the place where we're going to graduate very late. And when I drove up, my kumu was already uh, waiting for me. He comes right up to my car. He says, don't get out of the car. He said, you step on these grounds. You're never Pikai. You're going to home me out of the place. You're going to defile it. So he said, go down to Kaneohe Bay, go do your pikai, and then when you come back, you tell me what you saw. And he said, depending upon what you saw or see will depend upon if you graduate today or not. And so I went Kaneohe Bay, and I'm doing my pikai and my prayers and, you know, cleansing myself in the salt water. And a few feet away, I can see the pier. And so I'm just sitting in the water like this. I'm done with my pikai and my prayers, and I look. There's this white dog, you know, walking right next to the pier. And then when I stand up, I kind of realize, like, there's no silt or sandbar that goes out that way. And so literally this white dog is walking on the water. And this is, like, early in the morning, and I'm like, okay. (laughs) And so, you know, when you pika, you have to walk backwards out of the water. And so I'm walking backwards, and the dog is just standing there looking at me. And then, you know, like a girl, I ran to my car (laughs) 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 and drove off. And I I got to the, the uniki, and... Mikumu wow. was waiting. He said, what happened? And I told him, he said, okay, you can get out. Wow. Oh, my gosh. He said, Come, you can go through the ceremony. Oh. We have... I, yeah. We I have, don't want to be you. <laughs> this sounds terrible. It sounds terrifying. <laughs> we have certain um, haunted 
places, you know, that are kind of like infamous around the islands. I think one of them that I'm familiar with is Morgan's Corner. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit more about Morgan's Corner? So this is the Morgan's Corner uh, when you're coming on New Poly Drive. You're taking that sharp turn by Elena Bay, and it's that following left turn into that little cul-de-sac. So according to the great-great-granddaughter, Karen Morgan, who I met, and she's a Morgan descendant, so she said that was the Morgan family property, and Dr. Morgan lived right on the corner. And so whenever there were accidents, he would have to go down the hill with his bag, you know, and help out. And he also uh, went to treat Mrs. Wilder, who lived uh, where Ilana Vai is now. And Mrs. Wilder is the one who was, I think she was robbed and, and uh, suffocated by two guys who were robbing her house because of the uh, the gag. And so that's basically how we we get this this legend called Morgan's Corner, because Dr. Morgan lives on the corner. So it has nothing to do with the story of the boy and the girl on the car, you know, and the boyfriend goes to get help and the girl's left there. And when she wakes up in the morning, the boyfriend's hanging from the, the tree above the car. That's an urban legend. And that same story is in every state of the United States, you know, maybe a little bit different, but the conclusion is all the same. So somehow that story got attached uh, to Morgan's Corner. And so that's how we have this, this urban legend. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I never knew the real story. I had, you're right. I had always heard that urban, that urban legend. Is that a common thing that happens, kind of like these urban legends maybe get muddled with what actually happened at these sites? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's like sitting in a circle and passing down a one word and it becomes different by the time it gets to the last person. So a lot of these urban legends are based on fact, but, you know, people keep adding, adding you know, garnish to it. So it becomes like, you know, Chankwanabe. <laughs> Can you talk about night marchers and explain what that is? I feel like a lot of visitors might have heard about night marchers or may have heard night marchers um, and what you're supposed to do, like what the protocol is. I've, I've, that is another thing. I've, never, I've only heard them, but I've never come in contact with night marchers. Not that I want to, universe. I don't want to, knock but I have wood. heard them. Fine wood, knock on it. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny, considering where you live, Kat, there's like tons Stop. of night I know. Stop. I live in the worst place. I know I do. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so night marchers, the common night marcher procession, are the ghost of warriors who in life preceded an ali'i that was so couple, so sacred that even in their presence, you couldn't be clothed. And so proof of this is uh, Kamehameha the Great, his wife, Kyokuolani, was, you know, of that rank, so... Even when he had to see her, um, because of her couple, he was required to take his clothes off and crawl to her, and he couldn't look at her. And so these kinds of elite to spare the common people would only come out at night. And so essentially that's what the common night marcher procession is. All these warriors sounding the drums and the conch shells and the chants and letting you see the long procession of torchlights, just giving you a chance to you know, get out of the way and not be there. So the only time you observe the couple is, is when it's too late. Then you strip naked, you lie face down, your hands have to be like this behind the back of your head, and you can't look. So I'm practicing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes they say if you have uh, no Hawaiian blood or you're doubtful about your, your genealogy, then you you do number one in your hand and you rub it all over your body. So 
you want the night marchers to find you disgusting and they don't kill you. And the last resort is also to strip naked and lie on your back, spread evil. Because, you know, in ancient times, only crazy people did that and nobody wanted to bother with them. Huh. So those are your options. I feel great. Great. So pee and poop yourself and then go spread eagle. Yeah. I feel like I would just do that naturally in that, in, in that terrifying situation. Well, you know, the, the funny thing about that is it, it was never made up or designed to make fun of tourists. It was actually, and still is a thing, you know, but I know local people say that to tourists just, you know, to make fun of them and, you know, see their reaction, but it's, it's really what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's a, definitely something I've always heard, like even growing up, you know, scary stories of Camp Birdman, um, you know, we would talk about night marchers and all that kind of stuff. But it, it is really interesting, you know, kind of trying to understand really what the, the history behind it is. I mean, I know in Hawaii, we, we have a lot of local uh, superstitions, um, you know, not taking uh, pork over the poly, stuff like that. Um, are there any others that, you know, people maybe aren't aware of or should be aware of that, you know, they shouldn't break or, you know, it's kind of taboo? I think the more the most common one that I grew up with and you see how old I am is never face your back to the ocean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and that's truthful because, you know, in the ancient times, a, a lot of people uh, built hail and shrines uh, to the ocean. So there used to even be hail for surfing. And Heiau dedicated to, you know, Omakua, shark gods, the eel, whatever. And so in the case of making offerings at the ocean or doing pikai or whatever, you know, you leave the ocean, you walk backwards out of the water, you know, and then you mahalo, then you turn around, you know, and go do whatever you got to do. So that's that's still a thing with me. Do you do that, Kat? Because I know you surf. Oh, um, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of these superstitions are just to kind of keep you safe. You know, like even the Morgan's Corner story, it's like trying to scare you to not be like making out with some person. Anyway, I feel like a lot of it's to scare you. It makes sense, the whole, you know, not facing the ocean. But I walk away from the ocean. I mean, I run out of the ocean, I guess, because I'm usually late for something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's... um, you know the pork over the poly thing? I mean, I live on the poly and I, you know, I have to buy pork and bring it home and stuff like that. So what is that really, that that whole superstition and and what happens if you do take pork? I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've taken bacon. That's the, over, the, I'm sure. The poly, by the way, just for listeners, is um, a highway that goes across the Ko'olau. Um, sorry, not the Ko'olau. Yes, From Honolulu to the windward side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a highway. Yeah. Um, so um, that whole thing actually begins with uh, another Pele legend. And the short story is, you know, she meets Kamapua'a. Everybody tells her that, you know, he's the wrong guy. Don't go out with him. You know, he's a punk. And, you know, he's very boorish. You know, all, all the qualities of the wrong kind of man. That's Kamapua'a. But Pele gets involved with him anyway. And then... Um, They cohabitate together. And, you know, you know when you're in the wrong relationship when the guy has to live with you. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) And so she finds out eventually from people who live near Kilauea that, you know, during the day, Kamapua is going out and, you know, uh, having these these trysts. And so the first couple of times she doesn't believe anybody and chases them away and tells them, you know, be gone before I kill you. But when she... When her own sisters 
come down to the volcano and tell her, you know, that they have seen her husband in the waters off Hapuna with, you know, five women doing homework. You know, then she knows it's true. And so when he's coming home, he's like, how fascinating. A tidal wave coming from the mountains. But then he realizes it's a tidal wave of lava. And he says, oh, man, she found out. And so now he's running for his life. And, you know, she's like hot on his heels, literally. And so finally, he gets to a hill outside Kilo called Kauku. And that's where he lays down and begins to pray. And so the earth rises up, roots from great trees rise up, and it holds back Pele's fires. And then through his prayers, you know, Kamapua'a calls the Uakanilehua, the Hilo rains, to cool the flames. And Pele appears and says, you know, well, I guess I can't kill you, so what are, what are we going to do? And he says, let us make this agreement that from this moment forward, with the exception of Molokai, where I was defeated, the Ko'olau side of every island will be mine, lush, green, full of life. And the Kona side of every island will be yours, you know, hot, arid, dry. And so, Aoya, you know, the pact is made. And so technically, if this is, this oral tradition is correct, then you can't bring the Kinolau or the spiritual embodiment of Kamapua'a from the windward side to the leeward side, because you're breaking the pact. Got it. Yeah. That is so interesting. So, to be more specific, you can bring port from the windward side through Wilson Tunnel, through H3, but not the Poly Tunnel. I see. Uh, yeah. I so you know how that, that old road that the lookout goes down this way? So yeah. that's, in the old days, that's where you couldn't bring it. Mm. Oh, old Poly Road. And what will happen yeah. if you do bring it? Is it misfortune? You'll die. Is it you'll die? die. <laughs> You know, your car is supposed to break down. Uh, you know, you break out in rashes and uncomfortable places. Oh, I see, I see. You hear your name being called. Why would he mess with Pele? That's so dumb. I that's feel- like, he deserves all the rage. That's so dumb. But, but that's how, you know, Pele was the challenge. <laughs> that's so crazy. Guys, she, are, yeah, guys right. are pretty dumb, Kat. You know this. Yeah. But that's, that's how, you know, it's still going on today. <laughs> now you okay so you do your walking tours and you walk through a lot of old neighborhoods in on oahu um we'll talk about of, your specifically your mysteries of hawaii tours mysteries of hawaii are there tours. certain oh, sorry oh sorry i was just reiterating the name of the tour mysteries of hawaii tours yes so people what um it. are there certain areas i mean what kind of stories do you tell when you're walking through like mo'ili'ili or kaimuki or i mean what are some like spooky areas um that you like to take people through Chinatown, you that know? Is spooky for different reasons. Well, where I live. <laughs> well, where you live is... Uh, <laughs> we used to do a, a, a bus tour, but, you know, since the pandemic, we can't because of social distancing. But in your area was the, the haunted battle of New One. And so that, that was interesting because if a lot of people don't realize, they think it was just the battle... And there were no supernatural repercussions, but um, you know, Kuiva Park, Oahu Country Club, that's the major shift of the battle, where you know Kamehameha basically won it and slaughtered all of the Hawaiian Maui armies. So that whole place is haunted. And so while heard that we cat. Do that, huh? You heard that cat? That whole place is haunted. Oh yeah, I know. You ever well, watched Poltergeist? It's something similar to that, man. <laughs> and so, you know. There is an opportunity that I give people like for a minute, you know, to go ahead and take pictures. But then I tell them how and I let them know if you don't get a photograph, this is why. And so people have 
you know, have sent me uh, just some unreal photographs you know, from that area. And you, you see it all. Uh, the other one that was pretty scary was the one we used to go out to the North Shore to Wailua. I'm from Wailua. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know, uh, the old St. Michael's Church in the middle of the cane field, we go there. Oh, man. And then uh, the, the Hongwanji, which, you want to hear the tale of the Hongwanji? Oh, yes, oh, please. Yeah. That scared Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I met my girlfriend. So, oh, boy. You're oh, right. he stole him. <laughs> he, he stole her from another guy, by the way, okay. at the bone dance. At the bond dance? At the bond dance, yeah. Can you can you bust out your bond dance moves that made you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. Good thing this is a podcast. <laughs> so one night the uh, the bus is parked, you know, uh, outside where the Hongbanji is, and this old Filipino man was sort of like off in a distance on his bicycle, just watching, and so I guess he saw when. The stories were over and everybody was getting on the bus and then he rides his bike up to me and he says you know he says i don't know if you know about plantation time but you know before japanese only marry japanese chinese only chinese you know everybody stick to their own group all the camps different nobody mix he said not like today he said but before I had one filipino boy from the camp him and this japanese girl they they fall in love and so every time after school, behind this Hongwanji, he said, they, they go meet over there. And they spend time. And so every day, the Japanese girl goes, she waits, the Filipino boy come, they spend time together. But one time, you know, show up. And then pretty soon, the Japanese girl finds out that the Filipino boy, the one she loved, gets somebody else. Back then was one long weekend so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, nobody see this Japanese girl disappear. Everybody looking for her. When the, the priests open up the Hongwanji Monday morning and they go inside, oh, terrible. And then right in the middle of his story, he switches and he says, so a couple nights ago, I riding my bike past the Hongwanji and I see uh, two young boys the bike up against the wall of the Hongwanji, the one boy standing on the bicycle, the other boy on top of his shoulder like this. And I see them flashing the light inside, so I ride my bike up to them. I was like, oh, what you folks doing? And they said, oh, Tata, Mr. Kine, trying to look for the ghost. What ghost are you talking about? Oh, well, first, I went climb on top of my friend's shoulders. He stand on top of the bike, so I book the shorty screen like this, and I make my flashlight. My friend, impatient, bro, what get, what get? I don't know. What you mean you don't know? I don't know. You get flashlight, bro. What get inside? What you see? I don't know. Just everything all red. Oh, bro, get off. So they switch. And the other boy's on the other guy's shoulders, and he pokes the shoji hole like this uh, in the screen and makes it bigger. He's looking. He goes, oh, bro, you're right. All red inside. No can see nothing. And so that's what they told the old Filipino man. Yeah, when we look inside the hole in the shoji screen, we only see all red inside. And we get flashlight. At that point, the old Filipino man sort of concludes the story he's telling me. He said, a Japanese girl used to meet on Filipino boy plantation time behind this Hongwanji. Every day, no miss. One day she find out you get one other girlfriend. She disappeared Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
Monday, the priests come inside the temple. And he finds a girl. She would go take all the kind of telephone wire, wrap them around her neck, hang herself from up there. The telephone wire so tight, cut off all the blood circulation, so all the blood pooled inside her head. And he tells the two boys, so you're telling me you see red inside, that's not red. That's all the blood inside the girl's eye. She looking at you through the screen. Oh, that was so funny. I got chicken skin right now. <laughs> um, so I asked the old Filipino man. That's the old Filipino man. I said, wow, how long has that story been around? He said, the reason I know the story firsthand, <gasps> I was that boy. Oh, my <gasps> God. No. They drive past this home bunchy all the time and then they bring something, say sorry. <gasps> Kevin! I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> I have such beautiful memories of that, of that home bunchy. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's so scary, but that's really wow. good. You are a master storyteller. Gosh dang. It's so fun watching like a, a pro at work. Also, my cat, Ami. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> she was like behind the frame the whole time, just hoping she wasn't like, oh, Ami, don't step on the. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm spooked. Um, <laughs> where can we haven't even scratched the surface? Well, if people want to go deeper, um, you, you do offer these walking tours, these mysteries of Hawaii walking tours. Um, what else, what else have you been, because I know COVID right now during this time, it's like really hard to kind of do big tours like that. What, what other, you know, how else can people experience these stories? Well, you know, aside from the ghost tours, we've been doing what I call ghost storytelling concerts at the Doris Duke Theater. Okay. Um, those have been doing very well. They've, they sell, sell out every time, but then COVID happened. Um, you know, uh, lectures, stuff like that. Um, I can't count how many... TV reality show stuff I've done. Uh, that's why my wife manages everything because I just completely lose track. <laughs> so once we shut down, um, we decided to go live and do live storytelling and just not charge anything oh, know, wow. because we know people are suffering uh, financially. But what's crazy, and I think you'll appreciate this, Kat, is um, without us asking, people have come to our house and dropped off sides of beef. Uh, Coolers full of briskets, uh, a tele stew. Wow. Yeah, so no one's losing weight in my house. <laughs> Nobody. And if you watch the video that Catherine, you know, shot for this whole thing, you'll see that that's all the tele stew and fried ice cream, you know. <laughs> Ooh, you good. Man, it's, it's uh, lucrative to be you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I got, I have to cut out, have to cut out all the, the soda and the sugar. You know, so and where can people um, find those those uh, live talks? Is that on your Facebook page, or I mean, we'll link yeah, all of this in the, our show um, notes. Mysteries of Honolulu Facebook, okay. and uh, we've been doing virtual tours, so that's that's helped us out. Uh, we have a virtual tour coming up on October thirtieth, thirteen tales over the poly. Okay, Ooh, I'm not so, watching it. Oh, you you have to. You guys have to watch <laughs> it. I I guarantee it. You will, will not forget it. I actually might. I'm I'm really enjoying these scary stories. I'm I'm very easily scared, but I quite enjoy all of this. Yeah, but you know what? You want to hear something funny? It's, I I first met Kat for an article she was doing in 
2005. And then we meet again 10 years later, I think when you came back to the magazine. And I didn't know that her first assignment was a ghost story. So she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we met at the Royal Mausoleum in New Iwana, which is where all the, the elite are buried. So that was kind of kismet. Yeah. yeah and yeah. a bunch of things opened up for you, too. Like, you met your old yeah. classmate. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, Yeah. By the way, we have to end this podcast very quickly. I see that we have five minutes left on our Zoom. Um, so there, we are doing a Haunted Hawaii video series with Lopaka. You guys can check that out um, on our Instagram and also... No, not on our Instagram. Why did I say that? On nope. our YouTube, YouTube. And it's also on our web. Yeah. Sorry, HawaiiMagazine.com. It'll be in the and, show notes. Uh, yeah, everything will be in the show notes, including where you can find Lopaka if you want to sign up for his small group walking tours because he is still offering that, the virtual storytelling um, any way to connect with them when you are visiting or if you're just on the mainland and you want to get your Hawaii fix, it'll be all there on hawaiimagazine.com. Uh, on all our social media channels, please rate us and subscribe to us on our for our podcast. Appreciate it. And, of course, thank you, Lopaka. we got to do, like, part two, man. Yeah, let's do it. Every oh. year. Every year. Every October. Let's do it. No, yeah, we should do it, like, every spooky anything. Christmas, well, stuff. I don't know. Yeah, Day of the Dead is November first. Oh, <gasps> that's a good point. Part two, maybe. So you want a quick uh, two-minute ghost story before we cut out? Yeah, sure. go for it. So very short. Catholic priest goes to Kalalu to perform an exorcism on a ten-year-old boy, and it's very successful because he takes his own rosary with the crucifix, puts it around the boy's neck. About a week later, there's a knock at the door of the Catholic priest, and he opens the door. And it's the boy, the 10-year-old boy with his mom. And he's holding the rosary with the crucifix. And he says, Father, I just came to thank you. And I wanted to return this. And he takes the father's hand, which is open like this, and places the crucifix in it and watches as the crucifix sears and burns itself into the Catholic priest's palm. True story. Well, um, ending, ending the podcast on a high note... <laughs> Uh, high as in my heartbeat is uh, is raising. Um, yeah, we got to end this before I have a stroke. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, you can always listen to us every single, every other Monday. Have a little hobble travel. Um, thank you again, Lopaka, for joining us. Um, this has been terrifying and fantastic. Um, I'm glad to hear that. And if you got to edit anything for content, no problem. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening and uh, mahalo. Have a good day. Thank you. Pleasant dreams. <laughs>